If you have a copy of God's Word with you today, and I hope that you do, turn to Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to continue our series that we have entitled Route 66. Route 66, we are looking at the larger story throughout all of Scripture and how it is tied together, and this is the last uh, part of the picture that we will see in what is called the beginnings in the book of Genesis. We see this man by the name of Abraham, and he has been promised a child. And now in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to see that promise come to fruition and then a test. You all like tests, right? We're going to see a couple of tests this morning. As I read the first 14 verses of the chapter, here's what I would like for you to think about. How would you respond to the test? What would be your first response when this, if this, were to be asked of you? And that's you thinking that you are in the spot of Abraham. What, what would be your response if you were in the spot of Isaac? And then finally, as I'm reading it this morning, we have sung multiple songs about names of God. I want us to, to think about this particular name of God. His name is Jehovah Jireh. God provides. So, Follow along with me. I believe the verses will be on the screen behind me, but follow along with me as I read Genesis chapter 22, and let's see this account. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, this is God speaking. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. 
And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jehovah-Jireh. Father, we come to this passage, we come to this episode of the life of Abraham, your servant, asking that you would speak. God, not not just that you have spoken in that day, but Father, that you would allow us to see in this word, in this passage, in this moment of Abraham's life, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, your word is living. Your word is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. I cannot fathom all the things that are going on in the lives of those of us in this room this morning. But Father, you can, you have, you are. God, I ask that your word would speak and cut through all of the junk that we fill our lives with that are stopping us from seeing you for who you are because this passage shows us who you are. Father, this morning, would you allow us to see the key phrases as we walk through this text and then, Lord, allow us to see life application for our lives today from Genesis chapter 22 from the life of one of your servants I ask it in your son's name Amen so if you look at that passage if you see in those 14 verses the story of of a man by the name of Abraham. It's a a story that probably most of us are familiar with. It is my favorite story in all of Genesis. It might be my favorite story in all of the Old Testament. It is an amazing moment in this life. And there are a number of key phrases, and I want to draw out four or five of those for us this morning. And then I want to try to apply it to your life for today. So let's look at some of the key phrases. Look back in verse number one. 
of Genesis chapter 22, it states this, after these things. What things? This is the second time this phrase has been placed in Abraham's life. Last week we saw in Genesis chapter 15, it states after these things. And in that passage, it was half of what the life that's recorded of Abraham. And now we see after some more things. After what things? Well, after there were some problems at home and Sarah looked to Abraham and said, maybe God is going to bring an heir through your servant, my servant, Hagar. So why don't you know her like you know me? And there was Ishmael. After these things, that didn't work out too well because Sarah wanted to kill Hagar. Hagar ran away. God saw Hagar on the side of the backside of nowhere and said, hey, I'm going to provide for you. Showed her water and said, go back and be under Sarah. After these things, after the birth of Isaac finally comes at the age of 99 and 90, after these things, when God had provided the heir, what? The next phrase, God tested Abraham. Can you see moments in your life where God tested you? Can, can you think back to, to times in, in life and say, man, that was, that was a huge test. Every single one of us go through tests. The difference between a temptation and a test is this, that there are temptations and they are placed in your path and in my path so that you and I might fail. The reason that they're there, the reason that that hurdle or that obstacle is there, that temptation is there to bring you to failure. The reason a test is there is to draw you closer to him. The enemy puts the temptation there. God puts the test there. Sometimes you and I might not be able to tell if it's a temptation or a test, but no matter if it is a temptation or a test, God says, why don't you draw close to me? And here he puts the test in front of Abraham and says these words, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, to a place which I'll tell you, and you sacrifice him there. That was not a small test, was it? Like, how in the world could God test Abraham that way? Well, as I read it just a moment ago, how would you respond if God tested you that way? If God said, hey, you take your prized possession, you take your firstborn, and you offer him, you offer her to me. How would you respond? Look at the next key phrase. Let's see how Abraham responded. Look there in verse number three. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men, got some firewood got some fire in his hand, took his knife and his son, and he went out. He rose early in the morning. No procrastination here. I don't know about you, 
But if it were me, more than likely, I would want to stay in the bed for a long, long time. You know, it was a great morning this morning. I'll I'll talk to the folks who came to church this morning. It was a great morning to stay in the bed. I remember spending the night at my grandmother's house, a number of Saturday nights. and, And as I spent the night at my grandmother's house, I would try my best to stay in the bed as long as I possibly could, hoping This is terrible for a preacher to say, hoping that I would stay there long enough that I would not have to go to church on Sunday. Never worked. Because I did not, at the moment in my life, I did not know how to keep time or tell time. And so even though I woke up at the first light of the sun coming in the window and thought I stayed there forever and ever and ever, it was never long enough. We always made it to church on time. Abraham rose early in the morning. What a response. God says, hey, take your best. Take your son, the heir, the one that I have promised will be in your lineage forever and ever. Take your son and go sacrifice him. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he got everything ready and he set out. Look at the next key phrase. Verse number four. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. You know, in previous times where we've looked at this passage, I asked the question to you, and I'll ask it to you again today. Three days they're walking. Just think about getting in the car with your kid. What's the conversation? For three days, they're walking. Day and night, day and night, and day. Every step, Abraham's looking at his son, Isaac. Do you think there's much conversation? If there is conversation, what do you think the conversation is? On the third day. What a picture of not just that moment in Genesis chapter 22, but some moment out in the future that Abraham has no clue about that you and I look back on. For three days, there is one in the grave. For three days, the sentence of death has already struck with Jesus. For three days, he's in the grave. And now for three days, in Abraham's mind, Isaac is good as dead and he is walking with him. Moment by moment, day one, day two, and now day three. What a picture. For three days, I don't know what my conversation would be. If there would be any conversation, I believe here's what I would remind my son. And as I'm reminding him, I'm definitely reminding myself of this. You know God has brought us to this point, right? Brian, you know that God has provided for you up to this point. God, uh, Brian, you know that God has called you out of Ur of the Chaldees, that God has directed your path to this promised land, that God has promised that he would be faithful, that God has brought you out as the stars are beginning to shine at night, that your descendants will be numbered just like they are if you can absolutely number them. You know all of this, right, Brian? On the third day. 
Abraham looks at the two servants and he says this in verse number 5. You stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, catch this, will go over there and worship. And I and the boy will come again to you, period. That is how it is spoken in Hebrew. I and the boy are going to go over there. I and the boy are going to go worship. I and the boy are going to come again to you, period. Those are words of faith. Those are words knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that what God has promised in the past, in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter 19, Genesis chapter 20, what those promises have been in the past that God is faithful to bring those promises to fruition, even amongst this test. The boy and I are going to go over and the boy and I will return. And he takes some wood, he takes the fire, and he takes... A knife, he puts the wood on Isaac's back and they begin the long journey up the mount there in the area of Moriah. And Isaac looks at his dad and says, hey dad, um, got a question for you. I see the wood. I see fire. I see a knife. I understand that those three things equal there's going to be a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham looks at his son and says, the Lord will provide his own lamb for the sacrifice. 114, maybe 116, maybe even up to 120 years of age is Abraham in this moment. He is not a spring chicken. Yet his son Isaac is a teenager, possibly up to the age of 20, if he had him at 99 or 100, and now it is um, this term that is used here in Genesis chapter 22 can be of a teenager even up to the age of 20 or so, he could have overpowered his dad. Yet his dad binds him and places him on the altar. Takes the knife out stretches his hand out there in verse 10 and 11, and then the Lord speaks to him. And I know that more than likely your translation says the angel of the Lord speaks. You're like, are you sure that the angel of the Lord and the Lord are the same? Well, let's read. Look down in verse 15. It's not going to be on the screen, but look down in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn what declares the Lord. By myself, I have sworn. The angel of the Lord has sworn declares the Lord. Because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I will surely bless you. Verse 17. Who stated I will bless you? Look back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. God stated that he would bless him. The angel of the Lord and the Lord are the same. He is speaking to Abraham. He has spoken to him multiple times in this passage. It is the Lord. And the Lord now says, I know that you fear God. I know that you fear me. I know that you love me more than you love your son. Question. 
at 10.47 on Sunday morning in October the 22nd. Could he say the same of you? Could he say the same of me? Brian, I know that you fear me. I know that you love me above all else. Because of this, here's what I'm going to do. Abraham passed the test. Key phrases, two more key phrases. There's a ram caught in the thicket. As the hand is up and God says, don't hurt the boy, he looks behind him and there's a ram in the thicket. Why didn't he see that beforehand? We'll come back to that. The final is, final key phrase is Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh provides. What an attribute to Almighty God. The Lord will provide. He sees ahead of time what, is, what the need is and he provides for that need even before there is the need. So Brian, that's a great story. What does that mean for me? You, you need, I need, we need to apply this today. So let's talk about five or six applications for today. The first application for today is this, that your life is full of tests. Students know this well every single week. There are pop quizzes. There are tests every nine weeks. There are um, nine weeks tests every semester. There are some finals. Those tests are varying in degrees, and the same can be true and is true of your life. Some of the tests are huge. Some of the tests are small. A lot of the tests are in between those two. But your life and my life we, they are full of tests. Look what James states about these tests. Count it all joy in James chapter 1. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Kids, when you go to school this week, count it joy that you're being tested. That's exactly the first emotion that you want to show, isn't it? No. But it's a reminder for you. It's a reminder for us that this life is full of tests and we're to count it all joy for we know, James continues, we know that the testing of your faith produces something. That something is steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, you may be complete, you may be mature, lacking absolutely nothing. Second application for your life today. Tests, plural, test different aspects in life. There was a test to see if Abraham was going to tell the truth in front of Pharaoh. There was a test to see if he was going to tell the truth in front of a king. He, he failed both of those tests. There was a test for Abraham to see if he was going to believe God or if he was going to put his trust in his servants. He passed that test. 
There's this test that is looking at who he loves and if he has faith in God. And that's the test that he is being tested with in this passage. So let me ask you a question. What do you love? Sir, what do you love? Who do you love? Ma'am? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your finances on? What do you hold dear to yourself? These were all a part of this test that Abraham is being tested with. Do you love God more than you love your kids? Do you love God more than you love your job? Well, that's an easy one some days. Do you love God more than you love your leisure activity? Do you love God more than you love your spouse? Do you love God with everything that you have? Test, test different aspects of your life. Sacrifices are always a part of life. Do you see the sacrifice here? It's an easy sight, right? What's the sacrifice? The sacrifice is Isaac. That's the test. Will you sacrifice Isaac? God says, I want you to go take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him. Sacrifices for you and me are a part of life. Isaac was bound and placed on the altar as a sacrifice. Look what Paul states in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 about how you and I are to be on the altar. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul states this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Here's the phrase. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, that by trials, that by testing and sacrifices, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul possibly is reminded of Genesis chapter 22, how Isaac is bound and laid on the altar and says to you as a son and a daughter of the king, hey, you're to be a living sacrifice. Every morning, every midday, every afternoon, every evening, you and I are to lay ourselves on the altar. Sacrifices are a part of life. The next application is this, that you and I are to fear God. In the Bible study, Basics, Francis Chan stated this about the fear of the Lord, and it is shown right here in the passage. In Genesis chapter 22, verse number 12, he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
fear God. Francis Chan states it this way, the fear of the Lord is not this idea of a God that we can control, but rather it is the consuming God who rushes in and overwhelms us in every aspect of our lives. He goes on to give the illustration of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he gives the illustration of John in, John chap- in, Re- in Revelation chapter 1 that they come before God and they fear him and they say, oh, woe is me for I am ruined, I am dead, I am a goner. They fall as if they are dead when they come into the presence of God. This past week, uh, actually a week ago, I sat in a conference over in Nashville and a guy by the name of Bob Russell, pastor mega church for 40 years in um, Louisville, Kentucky, Southeast Christian Church. Um, he, was, he was retiring, and a man by the name, 26-year-old man by the name of Kyle Eidelman was coming in to take over some of the preaching responsibilities. Bob Russell had put a rule when he started the church, anybody that comes up and preaches the word on the platform at Southeast Christian must be in a suit and tie. Kyle Eidelman dressed a little more casually than I do. And he's like, hey, we got to do something about this rule. If I'm going to come, we got to do something more about this rule. And Russell stated, he's like, I know I've got him on this. He said, would you go to the president and meet the president in this attire? And he said, I just knew I had him. And without a moment... Kyle Eidelman said, I would if he was my dad. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that to remind us of two attributes of God. It is true that God, if you are his son or you are his daughter, you and I can come to him just as we are. He loves you and he loves me just the way that we are. And we can come up into his lap, so to speak, and say, Abba, Father, he is our dad, dad. But I believe Francis Chan, among others, are correct as well that you and I need to understand that we don't come into his lap. He is not just our buddy. He is the God of the universe. He is almighty, all-ruling, consuming God. And he is a jealous God. And there must be this fear. Don't take him lightly. Don't think that it's okay if you come this way. Don't think that you and he have a separate pact. That, hey, he he knows, he he created me, so he knows how I am, and, and I don't have to do away with this. No. There must be a fear of God. The psalmist stated it this way in Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it, all those who practice the fear of the Lord, they have a good understanding, and His praise endures forever. I was reading this week, 
in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah is standing in front of all of Israel and there's 450 prophets of Baal and there's 400 other false God prophets. So there's 850 prophets who are trying to get their God or gods to bring fire down from heaven. And after that does not happen, Elijah stands up and says, Hey, Israel, might we personalize it for us? Hey, River Bend, how long are you going to go on limping between two gods? How long are you going to go on limping in this life in 1 Kings chapter 18? How long will you go limping between two different positions, between God and the world? If he's God, serve him. You and I can't serve two masters. If we try to serve two, you really, I really, we're just serving one because God will not share the throne. Two more applications, then I close. The first is this, that God comes through. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God is going to come through? Paul stated it this way in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I am sure of this. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't kind of agree with what this is going to this is going to take place. He says, I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion in, at the day of Jesus Christ. Back in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham rose early, saddled the donkey, walked for three days with his son, believing that he was good as dead, knowing that he was going to go over and worship. He and the boy would come back, that either God was going to raise him from the dead or he was going to provide, just as Abraham stated to Isaac, he will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. And finally, we do see that, that God provides. Jehovah-Jireh. What are you going through today? What test is there? What, what issue in life are you trying to get over or through? God provides. Let me close with this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 8. Verse 28 down through verse 30 states this, and we know, we know for fact, we know for certainty that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things. Broken relationships work together for good. Demotions work together for good. Sickness works together for good. Failure works together for good. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He, God, foreknew. He knew exactly what was going to happen in 2017 to you. He knew exactly what was going to happen in 2019. If He tarries 
Two more years. He knows exactly what's going to happen to you. He foreknew these things. It's there in Scripture. He foreknew. And those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What does the word mean? It means that he predetermined what? He predetermined them to be conformed to the image of his son. He predetermined that you and I one day as sons and daughters of his would look like him. Go look in the mirror. For every single one of us, that's a radical change. But it's going to happen just like that. Right now, you and I see him. We look at at Jesus. We see all the different attributes. We see all the words. We see all the actions that he committed, that he did in his life. And we see that in a mirror, dark and dim. But one day, we're going to see him face to face. And when we see him face to face, we're going to be just like him. He predetermined that. For those that are his, he says you are going to be like him. He provides a way for you and provides a way for me to come into this relationship. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn. He's speaking of Jesus. He might be the firstborn among many brothers. He doesn't stop. He says this. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Every single one of those verbs in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30, they are past tense. You're like, what in the world does that have to do with me? Think of it in light of Genesis chapter 22 for a second. For three days, Abraham walked with Isaac, right? For three days, he knew, hey, we're going to Moriah. For three days, I am going to raise this knife that every time that I take a step with my right side, I feel it in my hip. For three days, I know that I'm going to raise my hand and I am going to kill my son because I believe what God has called me to do. Isaac's as good as dead. But the one that God foreknew, he predestined. The one that he predestined, he called. The one that he called, he justified. The one that he justified, he glorified. And you still have 40 years to live, 50 years to live, 70 years to live, five minutes to live. We don't know how long we have to live, but we have more breath if the Lord allows us to live. But in his mind, Just as he provided for Christ before the foundation of the world for you and me, he has stated about you and me, we are glorified. How can he do that? Because he is the one who created time and he has stepped outside of what what he created and says, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. You are mine. And you're going to be just like me for all eternity. Are there some rough edges? I've got a plethora of them. You have a plethora of them. But know this, in God's eyes, you're just like him. In God's eyes, he knew that Abraham was going to raise the knife and he provided a lamb right behind him. Numerous times I read that passage and I say, when did he provide it? Doesn't state. 
But I answer it if people ask that question, when he provided it, I answer, I answer it this way. When did he provide for your need of salvation? Before the foundation of the world, he looked at his son and said, you're going to have to die. And Jesus voluntarily said, I'll do it. I believe that the ram was there before he went and spoke with Abraham and said, hey, you've got to go kill Isaac. Why? Because he's that type of God. Jehovah Jireh provides. How do I make it through the day? Jehovah Jireh. How do I make it through the, the broken relationship that I am in? Jehovah Jireh. How do I make it through the tough job that I'm in? Jehovah Jireh. How do I make it through the, the tests that are coming this week? Study. How, how, do I, how do I do this? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He will provide every moment of every day. Do you believe that, Riverbend? Oh, I pray that we do. Heavenly Father, you are Jehovah Jireh. Heavenly Father, you... You have some, some steep paths that you have some of us walking this moment. Father, for some of us in the room, there are... There's this crossroads, and, and we, we see the test that you have in front of us, and we don't understand if we can do that. Father, if we love you more than the things of this world. Father, if we love you more than the moment. It is a tough test. God, I pray for every man, every woman, Every single one of us in this room, God, that we would see this passage and we would apply this passage, that you, you have tested us before. And God, you're going to test Abraham again. Lord, you're going to test us again. May we know that you provide in the midst of every test. Ma'am, the invitation is for you this morning for you to rely on Jehovah Jireh for you to rest in the one who is providing sir it's for you right now as we stand and as we sing the invitation is for you to respond yes I trust you Lord yes I'm going to rest right where you are yes I will obey Father would you speak God would you draw us close to you would you show us who you are Jehovah Jireh as we stand and as we sing you respond back to him this morning